You are now entering the Brightness. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the Bright Side with Kevin and Jason, your weekly comedy about tragedy. I'm your co-host, Kevin Held. And I am your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Oh, good. You're back to being weird. <laughs> I've missed you. I am being monotone today. Oh, Could you imagine? Oh, that'll be that wonderful. Be... <laughs> We're you will listen to our funny podcast. That's the end of that. <laughs> I've never used a veto before. I'm using it now. Fine. Fantastic. Oh, Look yeah, forward to back. the next thing that you're going to need. Oh, <laughs> what? Veto for You won't have a veto for <laughs> No, no, no. It's just my, it's not my last veto. <laughs> it's my first veto. That's all. Fine. I retain the veto power. So nice. do I. Yes, you do. It's yes, true. Yes, you do. We both, isn't that crazy? What? Two vetoes in one. Well, I mean, you know, it's if like, you do something completely out of line, then I'm going to veto it's like that. like Danny DeVito. All he does is veto people. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and use my second veto. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm just giving you all the gifts today. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. How are you this week? I am good. Oh, <laughs> I vetoed that. I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe that showed up. Again. How are you? Uh, real good. Real yeah? good. Yeah, it's been a really good week. Yeah? Yeah. I'm just very positive right now. I like that. I like it too. Good. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, obviously. So I'm just, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because no. it will. <laughs> Probably today when you tell me about whatever the hell we're talking about. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one. Okay. I'm going to need everyone to sit down, though, for this one. Sit down and buckle up. I, I, I'm i already sitting. Okay, so. good. Given how much time I listen to podcasts in the car, I've already sat down and buckled up. Good. So. And if you're in a car and you're not buckled up, buckle up. We want our listeners to live. We do. We don't have that many. We, <laughs> we have need a lot. Them to live. <laughs> what am I saying? Put your goddamn seatbelts on. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at seatbelt. Or if you're going to drive dangerously, just tell other people about the show and then go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, should we just plunge right in? Yeah. Bright spot it. it up in here. All right. I'm going to. The bright spot this week that we're going to talk about is dogs once again, are saving the goddamn world. All right. They have trained three beagles to detect lung cancer in blood samples by smell. What? Yes. And there's another... Yes. So this is what's happening this week at Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Okay. They're doing a study. They have trained beagles to detect cancer cells with 97% accuracy. Wow. They have the cancerous blood samples, and they have non-cancerous blood samples as control, and they've taught them what to, they're looking for, apparently. These beagles can find them with 97% accuracy. Now, they're also moving into another trial there, where the dogs are showing the same level of accuracy from breath samples. What? So, yeah. So, apparently, if your dog is licking your face... It might be trying to tell you you have lung cancer. I'm not sure about that. I think that might be probably a bit not of a because step. they're not specially trained. Yeah. But they're just trying to get the tuna melt out of your mouth. Yeah, probably. Um, but Yummy. yeah, I, it just—I mean, dogs are incredible. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, I mean, these dogs are going to fucking save our life. Because, first of all, that's it's incredibly expensive to get diagnostic tests to find these different forms of cancer. Right. And so they're having success with colorectal cancer, uh, cancer of the blood. Wait, cancer. wait, 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 wait. Like colon cancer? Yeah. So did the dog just stick his nose up your butt? Well, the, the ones that they're doing, is they're, 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 that's the breath one. They can oh, take okay. these things on your breath. They can smell the colon cancer on your breath. Yes. Which, yeah, it, 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 maybe what? they're smelling the colon cancer of the guy you just ate out. Maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you haven't wow. done that, that well, that's recently. That's the 3% inaccuracy. That's the 3%. Yeah. It's the 3% of guys who are just rimming all sorts of uh, diseased people, I guess. <laughs> I'm surprised the number is as high as 3%, but there it is. And uh, those dogs are going to be uh, amazing, and they're saving the world. I love those. And that's our bright spot. Yeah. Good boy. That's good. Good yeah. boy. Yes. You're such a good girl. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. I like dogs. Yeah, I love dogs. They I have two me... dogs, and now I want to train them to tell me when I have cancer. <laughs> to tell you yeah. when you need to go to the doctor. Exactly. They're just like... Right now, they just tell me when they need to go outside. Yeah. And I'm like, that's pretty selfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. You have to pee again. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good for what you. What news? Yeah. You know? I mean, it'll be it'll be something worth, like, barking about when I have cancer. Yeah. You can tell me that. <laughs> I want you to bark for that. Yeah. <laughs> bark so, for cancer. That's the bright spot. I hope you enjoyed it. I love it. It should be noted that no one is trying this with cats. That's, what, that's all I'm saying. No one wants to put a cat in their mouth. No. No. no they'll one, bite you. No, no. And also, cats are like... Yeah, you have cancer. I've known that for like six months. Yeah. I just didn't bother to tell you. Yeah. That's what a cat would say. As long as you're still feeding me, we're fine. Yeah. So, we're going to take a turn. <laughs> That's our bright spot. So, we're not, we're talking about something not so happy, I guess, right? Yeah. It, All right. What are we talking about this week? It's weird with a dark twist. So, All right. let's do it. You ready? Fantastic. I love, yeah. That's, that's where I live. Weird with a dark twist. Get off on this. <laughs> Movies. Oh, well, cool. We both love those. City of Angels. Uh, Los Angeles movie industry, fantastic. Landmarks. Um, the Hollywood sign. That's right. Really? We're going to talk about the history of the Hollywood sign. You're kidding. And the infamous ghost that haunts it. Oh, bouquet. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, go right ahead. I'm I, really psyched you got it. Uh, of course I got it. It was a good breadcrumb trail. Well thank done. you. Hey, no, thank you. <laughs> good job, Gretel. Oh, it's, thank you, Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start at the very beginning. A, a very, very good, good place, place to, to start. start. Yes. Oh, you know, I was going to say that. Yeah. I love the sound of music. Sure. The year is 1923. Okay. Picture it. <laughs> Two men, Woodruff and Schultz. I could not find their first name. That's, so that's how they're known. That's fine. They're like Waldorf and Stadler, the old man Muppets. <laughs> they're like Madonna. Where are the sign? The sign's too short. Well, goddammit, now the sign's too tall. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that's who they are now. They were developing the land in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, I, but they were not happy about it. I think it was the Hollywood Hills. It was very confusing. Okay. Um, and they wanted well, it's to, the Hollywood Hills now. It, yeah, it is now. Sure. They wanted to promote it for people looking to buy a home. They're okay. like, we have this land. We're going to put homes on it. We want people to buy it. Sure. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yes. 
that's what you do when you are building houses. When you're for trying people to sell to live stuff, in. Yes, yeah, exactly. We are building houses. Uh, I certainly don't want anyone to buy them, though. Hey, build how them. did they build that house? And just keep them terribly. That, ah! ha, 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 ha. <laughs> So the two guys saw that H.J. Whitley Mm -hmm. had done a giant sign for Whitley Heights, which was apparently the land around Highland Avenue and Vine Street. Okay. And it was super successful. Great. It's like the sign told people they're selling and the people bought. Okay. And so they're like, let's also do a giant sign. That's a stupid idea. (laughs) 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 So... (laughs) So they called up the Crescent Sign Company and placed the word Hollywoodland, one word, on Mount Lee in the Hollywood Hills. I did not know that that is what it's called. Where the Hollywood sign is, is called Mount Lee. Okay. But now you do, though. I do. And you're expanding your knowledge. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's what we're here for, okay? You come in not knowing anything Anything about anything. Yeah. And then we tell you everything you need to know about one thing. Yes. (laughs) At a uh, questionable knowledge. Oh, without any actual, like, scholarly research or the oppression of facts. We just give you some Muppets standing on a hill. These will never sell! Because <laughs> they're dumb! Oh! <laughs> so, I have a quote from a website I never thought I would quote on this show, and All I'm right. so excited about it. Quote from HomeAdvisor.com. Wow! Isn't that wild? Yes. Quote, the owner of the Crescent Sign Company, Thomas Fisk Goff, Worked on designing the sign. Mm-hmm. He designed it to have approximately 4,000 bulbs. There were lights on it? Yeah. Each of the 13 letters in the design mm-hmm. would be 30 feet wide and 50 feet tall. Okay. And they would have lights behind them to help you see the sign at night. Oh, wait. Lights behind them? Yeah. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have the lights in front. Any goddamn fool will tell you that. How many morons does it take to put a bulb and a sign on if a hill? If I needed to see the back of a sign (laughs) (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i'm sure you're wondering why it was called hollywood land i am wondering so it's called hollywood now so something happened (laughs) yeah so their neighborhood hollywood was already incorporated oh i think it was like 1903 or something like that okay and basically the land that they were building on was part of hollywood and the hollywood Hollywood hills and stuff okay and so they named their development company Hollywoodland to kind of tie it all together. Oh, I see. So they're, they're, oh, and also to separate it from like it's not Whitley Heights. It's right Hollywood right. section. Or, okay. Yeah. So, so the Hollywoodland was their their company name. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So then, after they figured out that they were going to put a sign up there, right? Mm-hmm. First, the section Hollywood light up. Okay. Then wood. Then land, and then it finished with the whole sign at once. I see. So it'd be like Hollywood land, Hollywood land, Hollywood land, Hollywood land. <laughs> um, I love it. If that wasn't enough of a spectacle, mm-hmm. they would then have a few searchlights underneath it to shine on the sign throughout the night. Oh well, you didn't tell me that. Now I feel like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of like we're selling homes and we're shining these bright lights all okay. over them. But don't worry, the lights are mostly above the homes that you'll be buying. <laughs> 
Mostly. So the idea was that they wanted to sell the homes to people for less than Hollywood currently cost. Okay. Um, basically, because right, you have to climb the hill, no roads. Yeah. Sure. They would advertise the inconvenience their, fee. They would, yeah, they would advertise their homes as quote superb environment without excessive cost on the Hollywood side of the hills. Well, you can't find that anymore. I know. <laughs> now, if you want the Hollywood Hills, that's where You're the most pay expensive. For it. Mm-hmm. All right. The sign would end up costing them $21,000 to make back then. Wow. Which means it would cost about $310,000 in today's money. Okay. That seems so, reasonable. I mean, yeah. It lit up in four stages. So it was a huge project because they had to employ 200 men. Hmm. They had to make seven miles of dirt roads to bring up the materials. Oh, wow. Sure. And they basically had to move 300,000 cubic yards of dirt to make said roads. Whoa. So they're moving a lot of stuff around. Yeah. They would then use mules to bring up all the giant poles and other needed materials basically up the dirt roads. This seems crazy to me. I mean, I never really thought about it, and I haven't actually done that hike up to the Hollywood sign before. I mean, I've seen it 100,000 times, but... Of course, it's a significant thing, but it right. doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. it. Just seems like plywood, you know. And it doesn't feel like it would take like a city of people to put it there. Well, the funny thing is that the original sign was actually made up of wood and sheet metal. Yeah. So it was like pretty simple material, mm-hmm. but that height. And you gotta get yeah. there. Yeah, sure. Okay, so there's a lot of disputes as to when it was originally completed, right? Why? I don't know. <laughs> it was an advertisement billboard originally, basically. Okay. So nobody was, like, taking note of it. Oh, I guess. So what we do well, know... it wasn't doing so good for the developers. Yeah. <laughs> we put a giant sign on the hill and nobody noticed. <laughs> I keep shining a light in their face and they keep telling me, I can't see anything except the light. Maybe we shouldn't have lit it from the back. Yeah. <laughs> what we do know about the sign, though, is that it was completed in 1923. Okay. So we know it was completed in that year. Oh, wow. They got on it. It oh, was yeah. like designed and installed that year, and they had to like you know like move a hill to do it. Yeah, and, you know. So HollywoodSign.org says that the first mentioned article talking about the completed sign was actually on December fourteenth, nineteen twenty-three. All right. They're talking about the now Mulholland Highway and how that was about to begin construction, and how the the highway is going to go near the sign. So they're like, just in case you need to know where the highway is going, it's going to be close to the sign. Yeah. Since you know where everyone can see the sign. That's a weird thing to, like, warn people. It's at the top of the hill. Yeah. The Mulholland Drive is like, okay, so if you're going up the hill and you start to go down again, the road's going to be there. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's at the top of the hill. <laughs> so... <laughs> it goes along the tops of the hill. Yeah. So right. only two weeks later... <laughs> One side is goes down. The other side, it goes down, too. You're at the top. Yeah. That's what that means. Okay. Only two weeks later, the sign would then get another news appearance. Mm. And I want its publicist, because if you're getting that much news, yeah. then you're doing it right. Yeah. Okay. So the sign would be featured because Harry Neville, an actor back then, decided to drive his car up to the sign on the dirt roads. Oh. The article would be titled, quote... Hollywood electric sign reached by car. Well, he's quite the explorer, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Wow. The article <laughs> would go Some on. People to... go to the South Pole. He got to the fucking Hollywood sign by car. So, well, they they say by it was... car, like big fucking deal. <laughs> well, to, to be fair to it, the article says it was touch and go. 
it doesn't seem like such a feat of the adventurous spirit when you can just hike there. <laughs> I guess it was that they were worried the car, like the brakes, wouldn't work on the downhill. Mm-hmm. And, like, it did, and I was like, well, it's a break, so... So, it's not so much about, like, getting to the sign in a car, but it's just like, okay, your car isn't as shitty as we thought it was. Yeah. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> like, so... <laughs> it's more of an advertisement for the car. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 1923, this... this car won't kill you if you go down to 12% grade. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Harry's in the car, and he's like, the brakes came out, but I guess I made it. I think I'm a star now. Yeah. So the sign was built to last a mere year and a half. What? But it was persistent and held on far longer than that. Okay. Now, at this time, Hollywood was starting to become a thing, mm-hmm. like with movies and stuff. And uh, the film stars in the city were like, hey, rather than take down the sign, why don't you just leave it there? Mm-hmm. And the owners of the real estate development company were like, cool, thanks, yeah. That's the worst idea I ever heard. Oh! Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> it was made out of wood and sheet metal, right? He would eventually fall prey to Mother Nature in time. Sure, like Mother Nature, yeah, she's like... Oh, you like you like to build on hills, huh? Yeah. Mm. Check out my earthquake. <laughs> Mother Nature in this case is actually Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Oh, you like to build on hills. Mm. <laughs> I would pay so much money to watch to Kermit that. be fucking Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> when it's a volcano, it's just him screaming with his arms up. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners at home, Kevin full-on did Kermit. It was amazing. Well, I owe you the very best. Yeah. Okay, the sign was getting a little rusty, right? Sure. Like we all do sometimes. In the 1940s, however, it would fall prey to the Earth's biggest threat. Donald Trump? Man. <laughs> close. You were close. <laughs> At this time, there was a caregiver for the sign, right? Mm-hmm. Like a caretaker. Wait, what year was this? In the 1940s. Well, yeah, that's when Donald Trump arrived. Oh, God. Coincidence? I mm. think not. So the caretaker for the sign, his name was Albert Koth, mm-hmm. but he wasn't that careful of a caretaker. <laughs> he was um, a liberties taker more than anything. <laughs> one day he would get super drunk and he would get into his 1928 Ford Model A. Oh no. And then he would drive. Oh no, not all cars can do this. He would drive <laughs> up near the sign. Okay. But he then drove off a cliff above the letter H and crashed his car right into the H. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> Miraculously, he would not die. Well, yeah. And he had actually, I don't think he was injured or God, anything. Gonna, amazing. Jesus Christ. This was before, like, the idea of drunk driving was a thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, however, the car and the sign would meet their end. Yeah, well. It wouldn't be until 1949 that the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce would get involved with the sign and the lack of an H. Wait, so it said Hollywood Land for, like, two years? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Basically, they got in, they're like, we got to restore it because it looks really weird now. Yeah. And it was at this time that the land would end up being removed from the sign and it would now just read Hollywood. So oh. they restored Hollywood section. They got rid of land. That makes and sense. now it's just a, a monument to Hollywood. So they got rid of land just because the land was only that company and that company was had been gone for a while. Yeah, and they so were done. Just, now and, it's about the neighborhood and the, yeah. and the mythos of Hollywood. Okay. Exactly. Okay. 
However, they would use wood and sheet metal again to reconstruct it, mm-hmm. you know, which again would break down when Mother Nature and time got their hands on it. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> Why are there so many signs about Hollywood? <laughs> Why don't they get the point? I'm going to destroy it. I think I'll tear them all down. (laughs) And he hits it with his banjo. (laughs) He's repeatedly beating the sign. (laughs) Kermit the Bronco completely apeshit. (laughs) So finally, by the late 1970s, the sign was so broken that it would read as Hollywood. The first O looked like a U, and the second O in wood was gone. That's like Hollywood with, a, with, a, with yeah. an umlaut. <laughs> <laughs> so, Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> now we got the Swedish chef in there. <laughs> a bit of this, a bit of that. <laughs> I think it out as I did. Yeah. <clears throat> so in 1978, there was yet another restoration campaign for the sign, and nine different donors would spend $27,777.77 each to fix a sign. Oh, I see. And make it out of steel this time. stupid number otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically they, they, they're they like, it's going to be steel this time. We've got it. Yeah. So. Do this thing. Yes. We are going to, to restore the Hollywood sign <laughs> <laughs> to its former glory. Glory, yes. Now. It was fixed and everything, mm-hmm. but being turned into Hollywood was not the only time that the sign has been altered or had the letters changed, though. Okay. Twice, people have changed the sign to Hollyweed, oh. where they've changed the second... I think two, I remember one of those. Yeah. yeah. And in 2010, there was a campaign called Save the Peak, where people were raising money to stop developers from building on the mountain, on Mount Lee, and altering the famous landmark. Mm-hmm. And so they put up, they got permission, mm-hmm. and they put up these banners over the the letters to read Save the Peak, and the was in one uh, letter. It was like one banner. So it's like they turned the first H into an S, the second to an A, V, E kind of thing. Oh. But while they were doing this, people were taking pictures, and a uh, quote from Wiki, quote, as the changeover progressed, variations such as Sally Wood and Save the Pood Cause some hilarity. <laughs> Save the pood. <laughs> oh my god, I love my pood. Yeah. I want to save my pood. That's why I have my dog sniff it every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, over the years, the sign has become quite a popular tourist spot and is pissing off the locals. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that you bought your house right under the, the most famous sign of L.A. and now you're mad that people are looking at it. Yeah. Jesus, Actually, fuck you guys. The most famous sign in possibly the world. I've now become the goddamn old man Muppets. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Hey, did you hear the one about the idiot that bought the house by the sign? It was you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's a ton of traffic. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> all right. So all the people who live near the sign are mad that tour groups are taken right up to the sign, basically, and that it causes more traffic in their hoods. Those people can fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> right off. Yeah. You can't live next to the Hollywood sign and not expect people to, like, want to see the Hollywood sign. Exactly. It's part of why you move there. Yeah. So fuck you right off. This yeah. is all the This is all the same people. Yeah. Who are like, no one should come to this country after the point where my family came to this country. Exactly. Fuck you. 
Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting a little impassioned. I love it. Okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. You can no longer go up to the sign after... Legally. Legally. After, <laughs> after the year 2000. Okay. The well, police... That's now, so... Yeah, now, yeah. You can't do it now, but it... In you can do that before. <laughs> yes, if you if you have a time machine, yeah, you can go back. If you it. like Florida, man, want to try <laughs> irresponsibly. Yeah, if you want to hike up to the Hollywood sign itself, drive your car at eighty eight miles into a building. <laughs> don't really though. We don't want to be liable. <laughs> Buckle up first. So basically, in the year two thousand, the police placed barricades around the sign far enough away so people can't get close to it, and they also set up motion detectors to alarm the police. To prevent any more Hollyweed from happening. They're gotcha. like, we've had enough of people altering the sign. Enough. Mm-hmm. It also happens to be owned by the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce because mm-hmm. they were the ones that restored it. And they claim that if you use its image in your film or media, you're required to pay them a licensing fee. Sure. Which is interesting because like, you don't think about that. Because when a public landmark is a public landmark, you think of it as it's so well known. So it's like it's known. But I guess in this case, it's a font that they created. Is that right? I think something like that. Okay. So they're allowed to... There's some sort of thing about that where... Yeah. Um, well, that's like half of making movies, as you know, is like clearances. I know. <laughs> a box of the paperwork, people. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I started this episode, I promised a ghost, right? You did. I did, didn't I? Yes. Well... Is, is it the ghost of Kermit the Frog? <laughs> oh. I died in 1979. Oh, no. Um, well, we've reached a point of the ghost. Okay. It's not Kermit, though. Okay. So let's meet Peg Entwistle. Okay. All right. Hello, Peg. The most... I didn't know we were going to have guests in the studio today. <laughs> I wasn't dressed at all. At all. <laughs> so I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> I was u- wearing my usual podcasting outfit. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, you could have mentioned we were having a lady. So Peg Entwistle is the most famous actress you've never heard of yes that might be true i've never heard of her therefore she could be an absolute nobody yes she was born in wales all right and her father was robert and whistle that tracks uh, he (laughs) he was uh, also an actor okay well she was an actress yeah well you could be an actor not back then i know All right, so after winning his complete custody of his children after leaving his wife, Robert left for Broadway and would be in a handful of shows. Okay. So he's an accomplished stage actor. Got it. Peg's mother, her name was Emily, but according to the will and testament of Robert, she was not a good person? He wrote that into the will? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's fucked up. So when... (laughs) (laughs) To my children. Yeah. I leave the everlasting knowledge that their mother was a bitch. <laughs> so basically, when her dad uh, was killed in the hit and run in 1922, where's that caretaker this time? In uh, <laughs> oh, he's not he's not over there. In uh, New York City, his will said, "Quote: Millicent Lillian Entwistle, who's Peg, is the daughter of my first wife." whom I divorced, and the custody of my said daughter was awarded to me. Mm. I do not desire my said daughter to be at any time in the custody or control of her said mother. Wow. He was oh, he really very, did. He, he wrote was it like, right in there. Mm. fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, Peg's uncle would come and move in with her and her two brothers in New York City. Okay. He was actually the manager of a Broadway actor, Walter Hampton, and knew how to navigate the theater scene back then. He's like, I'm a theater guy. Got it. Yeah, follow. What a, that's a fascinating world. Yeah. I wonder why we're here. 
But I think it will be made clear. Yes. Okay. So Peg would make her Broadway debut in a production of Hamlet Mm -hmm. that Walter Mm -hmm. was starring in. I see. She would say nothing. What? But she would carry the train of the king, and she was also the poison cup holder. I see. So she was uncredited. Well, not just uncredited, but unwritten in. There's no (laughs) character of the train holder cup person. (laughs) Tell Peg. She's a Broadway star now. Yes, she is. Well... So when she the reviews were not kind. <laughs> Did you see that woman on the stage holding the train? Who the fuck was she? <laughs> <laughs> so when she turned seventeen in 1925, mm-hmm. she would end up playing the role of Hedvig in The Wild Duck. Oh, I was thinking in the Angry Hedwig in the Angry Inch. Yeah, yeah, she originated the role. Yeah, she was. She mm-hmm. is a rock ballad goddess yeah no i would i would make that joke but i don't want to disrespect john cameron mitchell that way oh he's so great yeah so her performance a moment of silence for john cameron mitchell who is not dead but just wonderful <laughs> so peg's performance in this play was actually what inspired betty davis to become an actress what yeah betty davis would later play hedwig herself on broadway i see yeah okay Inspired by it. She would like say to her mom, she's like, I want to be like her. Did did it inspire Betty Davis to do an All About Eve kind of take the role from her or just no? No, I no, think it was, it years, was later. years later. Yeah, I think Betty Davis at the time was a kid or something. Yeah. I don't. Anyway, thank you, Peg and Whistle, for inspiring Betty Davis. For Betty Davis. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. All right. So, okay. All right. So, so Peg's, you know, getting some stuff, getting a career going. going. Yeah. yeah. Great. Peg's official Broadway debut, however, would be in 1926 when she played Martha in The Man from Toronto. All right. So, good for her. I'm taking your word for that. Great. Over the next eight or so years, she would be in ten Broadway plays. Hello. And her most famous play was Tommy in 1927. Yeah, the rock opera. Yeah. She was really ahead of her time. (laughs) She played Uncle Ernie. It was oh, weird. God. It was a really non traditional casting. Oh, but that oh, she was part brilliant. of the show is so creepy. Yeah. <sighs> she would actually end up performing on Broadway with many famous actors and actresses, such as George M. Cohen, Dorothy Gish, and Lorette Taylor. Mm-hmm. In 1927, she would meet and marry Robert Keith, All right. who was another actor. Their marriage would not last long, mm-hmm. as uh, she was awarded a divorce from him as she revealed that he was not only abusive, but he was previously married and had a six-year-old kid, and she was never told about this. I see. So, so she he was... saw her will and immediately wanted a divorce <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because of the things she had said about him. Yeah. That's what I think happened. So, so even though she was doing successful stuff on Broadway and everything, she was struggling because she was always cast as the comic character, and mm. she really wanted to play juicy roles with depth. So she's okay. like, I want to be a dramatic actress. And everyone's like, but you're fucking funny, mm-hmm. so just be fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but I don't, my life, sad. Oh, and, um, sad. And I'm like, well, that's why you're a good comedic actress, because your life is tragic. Well, yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> so she is quoted telling a reporter in 1929, quote, I would rather play roles that carry conviction. Maybe it is because they are the easiest and yet the hardest things for me to do. To play any kind of emotional scene, I must work up to a certain pitch. If I reach this in my first word, the rest of the words and lines take care of themselves. But if I fail, I have to build up the balance of the speeches. And in doing this, the whole characterization falls flat. 
I feel that I am cheating myself. I don't know whether other actresses get the same reaction or not, but it does worry me. So she's like worried about her comic performances and she feels like she wants to do this drama and she's struggling. She wants to do drama because it's easier. Okay. Yeah. So well, that's what I'm saying is Meryl Streep is, you know, not doing that hard. It's not, it's not I hard. mean, I'm not her, saying her that dramatic actors hard. aren't doing hard work. Meryl Streep, it's just she's not, not working that hard. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> When she legit somehow hears this and then finds oh, you and yeah. slaps you across the face. I will consider that a huge honor. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard it like, here oh, first. She Meryl. did it with conviction. Yeah. I take it back. Yeah. If Meryl Streep cares to slap me, I would I would happily take that. Yeah. So Peg would eventually move to Hollywood mm-hmm. as the Great Depression started taking hold. We all do eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and after a final Broadway flop. Um, She would go on tour with the Theater Guild and would end up in Los Angeles after a critically successful run. Like The critics love her. Okay. They think she's amazing. She's an amazing stage actress. Okay. She would end the tour. So clearly, yeah, things are going badly for her. Yeah. She ended the tour by ending up in a show in L.A. opposite Humphrey Bogart. Hello. And Billy Burke in the Mad Hopes. And again, would receive rave reviews. Mm -hmm. People are like, she is... The fucking cat's meow. Okay. She is the bee's knees. If you want an actress, this is the woman for you. <laughs> if you're looking for an actress, she's one. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of many, and I approve. <laughs> um, it was actually this show that caught the eyes of RKO Pictures. And so she's staying with her uncle and her aunt, right? The uncle from before. They okay. now live in L.A. And they have a house on Beechwood Drive uh-huh. near the Hollywood sign. Got it. And so they she's were the staying... first people. This is the his... yeah. this is this is how we get there. This is the first people to be pissed off that people were on their street yeah. looking at the Hollywood sign. Get off my lawn! They invented the phrase "Get off my lawn." Yeah. So basically, she's in the house. The show's ended. She's getting ready to head back to New York City when RKO Pictures calls her up and says, "Hey, can you come in and do a screen test?" Mm-hmm. She's like, "Fuck yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine? We're just wondering if you want to do a screen test." Uh, sure. I do have a hair appointment, <laughs> so and I have to. I've also been getting some extra money walking dogs. So as soon as I'm done with that, can I give you just? Can I just give you a call back about it real quick? What? Let me look at my stuff. Wait, wait I'll call you tomorrow. This is this contract has a lot of money. Mm. She hung up on them. <laughs> <laughs> so she ended up landing a role in the film Thirteen Women. Okay. And despite the amazing, <laughs> what was her role? One of the women. One of the women. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the amazing talent in the film, saw that coming. It was a flop. Oh no! Now this would be because too many women. I know. (laughs) Too many women, or too few. I can't tell. They needed a hundred women. Hundred and one women. Hundred and one Dell women. Yeah. (laughs) The film flopped though because it was the Great Depression. So basically. We're in the Great Depression now, and people aren't going to the movies. They're struggling. Nobody wants to see women during the Great Depression. That's just (laughs) more depressing. Yeah. They're like, they look pretty, and I'm sad, and I'm covered in dirt with the rest of these Okies. I want to see that. Yeah. So (laughs) after the flop, RKO decided to not use her anymore. They're like, we don't want to use you. You're part of the flop, and so you're probably part of the problem. Jeez. Um, Yeah, they were not cool. So she basically was broke. Unable to return to New York City to go back to stage work, and there was no stage happening in L.A., Mm -hmm. so she was screwed. She's like, I can't leave. I can't get back home. This was supposed to make me into a movie star. Yeah. This is not good. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't enough of a slap in her face, (laughs) most of her role, if not all of it, I think, 
was cut from the film oh. to try to make the film better. So <laughs> Good news and bad news. The film's great. Bad news is because you're not in it. Yeah. <laughs> so from what I've heard, that part is still disputed. There's a lot of, this is where we're going to start getting into the, like, the mythos of the story. Okay. So, okay. On September 16th, 1932, she would tell her family, her uncle and her aunt, that she was going to go out to visit some friends. Mm-hmm. However, what she would do instead was to go up to the Hollywoodland sign, fold up her coat, and place it at the base of the giant H along with her purse, and would climb up the maintenance ladder to the top of the sign. Yeah. She would then jump to her death. Oh, no. According to legend, she got drunk before her suicide. But according to her bio on IMDb, the autopsy revealed no alcohol was in her system and that the cause of death was internal bleeding and a broken pelvis. Oh, wow. So it wasn't, she didn't, like... Ooh, she didn't die immediately? I don't... Maybe. I I think she died pretty quickly because it was a 50-foot plus jump and she, like, I think it was... On uneven ground. Yeah, it was not. Mm. But people love to embellish the story and so and it's hard for people to understand depression mm-hmm. so they're like well she had to have gotten drunk to do something that stupid and i'm like well eh, or she no. was really depressed and needed mental health and yeah she would be found on september 18th 1932 by a hiker who happened to be walking by the sign wow. the hiker would report this find to the police and they would find a note in peg's purse that would read quote i'm afraid i'm a coward i am sorry for everything oh wow it's, i know right yeah. Ugh. If I had done this thing a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. Oof. And signed P.E. Oh, wow. After her death went public, she basically became famous overnight. Oh. People were shocked. Ah, thanks, humanity. I know. They were shocked how someone with that much talent would kill herself. Mm -hmm. They didn't get it. She is now also known as the, quote, Hollywood sign girl. Which mm. is fucking frustrating because yeah. you like this was thanks to the Los Angeles Herald Examiner newspaper, yeah. rather than Broadway star, right, kills herself. Right, it's Hollywood sign girl because yeah. she's not a Hollywood star, so we don't care about her. Mm. So the news media would claim that she killed herself because she was a failed actress. That's so interesting because <laughs> she'd been on Broadway like twelve times. Yeah, and while I can understand why they would think that because we're movie obsessed in this nation, yeah. She was a star. There's other forms she of acting, yeah. She was a highly adored and appreciated actress. Yeah. Some people claim that she really didn't want to go back to the stage, that she wanted to do film. She loved film. She really wanted to be a part of it. I bet that's true. And that she was distraught over the idea that the only option for her was to go back to the stage mm-hmm. and that she didn't want to do that again. So the New York Times would write, quote, Police found yesterday at the foot of a gigantic electric letter H, uh, evidence of a movie land tragedy. Just the, some random gigantic letter H that is also out in the wilderness somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't want to mention it's a very particular letter H that's gigantic and yeah. up? They would finish it with the bruised body of a girl who failed. Mm. And I'm just kind oh. of like, what the fuck? Fudge. So the last thing... <laughs> The last thing about her story that kind of pisses me off, though, mm-hmm. is that she supposedly received an offer to be in a play only a day after her death from an L.A. playhouse where she would play a woman who would kill herself in the play. Hmm. This, to me, feels more like legend than actual story. There is a lot. Like I read a bunch of articles about this, and each of them said slightly different things about it, mm-hmm. which is what makes me think that's not true. Hmm. 
It sounds to me like a um, a negotiation tactic. <laughs> but we have an offer out, so you can just get your client to get back to us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> People to this day claim to see Peg's ghost around Griffith Park, basically where this Hollywood sign is. Okay. And they claim that they see a woman who looks like she's from the 1930s. Mm. And then the scent of gardenias linger as she fades away. Oh, dear. This was apparently her favorite flower. Okay. Well. Yeah. uh, Please. I mean, a hipster covered in gardenias. (laughs) Meets that criteria. Like, they, they... Wander around Griffith Park anyway. Yeah. Like, I don't put a lot of stock in this. So, her story doesn't actually end with her being a ghost, though. What is she... A zombie, then? What? (laughs) No. You're going to like this part. Jesus, she was reborn as Melania Trump. (laughs) Oh, what a shame. So... In 2014, 100 people would get together in Beechwood Village to pay their respects to Peg. Okay. They all gathered in the Beechwood Market parking lot and watched 13 Women, the movie that she was in. There you go. It was set up by Jeffrey Von Meyer, who runs the Hollywoodland Antiques and Fine Time Pieces store. He, along with the My Fair Ladies Flowers and (laughs) the Beechwood Cafe, decided that the money raised via donations and raffles during the event would be given to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Entwistle's name. That's lovely. Yeah. That is lovely. So he... He's um, living in the past, but it's lovely. (laughs) Jeffrey Von Meyer thinks that instead of a failed career, she suffered from depression and needed help, like most people in this world. All right. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> Jeffrey actually found out about Peg when one of her brothers went into his store and told him about her. Wow. Jeffrey, to this day, keeps a photo of Peg in the window of the store, and he is quoted telling the Los Angeles Times, quote, The motivation is really to celebrate her life, who she was. She was more than just a girl who jumped off an H. Hmm. Okay. Really? Awkward phrasing. I yes. know. It's not an H. Where do people get this fucking... An H. The H of the Hollywood sign, for God's sake. I know. She was found near a giant H. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You find that H, you'll find that girl. <laughs> but where's the H? No one knows. Like, follow the money. Yeah. No. It's the Hollywood goddamn sign. <laughs> follow the Beechwood Canyon Road. Yeah. You're there. So, after some wackiness and some real tragedy mm. of the Hollywood sign, what is the bright side? Hey. For me, the bright side is the pissed-off homeowners of Beechwood Canyon. <laughs> yes. It's a schadenfreude bright side, but still. <laughs> okay, so first... Yes. Peg's story... Second, you mean, obviously. <laughs> Second. Obviously. Peg's story lives on and inspired a group of people to hold a fundraiser yeah. for a suicide prevention charity. Yeah, exactly. I, that is that is a bright side. That's, that's, that's a really nice event. Right. And a really good tribute, which was way too long in coming, but right. very nice. Her death, actually, along with other people's actions, have actually led to the sign being blocked off for the safety of people around the world. So to prevent more people from doing this, mm. they, the police now have the monitors and ups and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just to stop people from vandalizing the sign. It was to stop people from potentially yeah. jumping to their death because right. it's a famous way to die kind of deal. Right. It's the kind of thing you can't do to the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of people commit suicide there. Right. Yeah. Also, the sign itself has led the community to gather together to keep it in good shape and care. Mm -hmm. So it actually led to a bunch of community projects, including the suicide prevention charity. Like, the sign has brought a bunch of people together. It's a focal point where, like, the community can 
um, focus on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like rally around. Yeah. One thing I'd like to do is actually kind of go off our normal thing and just give a couple shout outs to a couple of hotlines that oh. you guys should know about in case you know someone who is suicidal or depressed mm-hmm. or if you yourself listening are suicidal or depressed at some point, now you know where to get this phone number. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255, or you can go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org if you need further information. Mm-hmm. And another great organization is the Trevor Project. They are specializing in LGBTQ youth, but they can help you find the right lifeline if you need it. And their number is one 866 488 These are both toll-free numbers. Yeah. Not that long-distance and toll calls mean anything anymore, but yeah. just in case. And their website is thetrevorproject.org. So, yeah. I appreciate that. So, and uh, if you need a healing of a sexual variety, my number is <laughs> <No. laughs> Do not give your number out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. I had a moment of weakness. And we will also tweet out these numbers and stuff mm-hmm. as well. And uh, and thank you to all the people who are part of those organizations for helping Absolutely. people who are suicidal and depressed. Well, thank you for that in particular, but also thanks for this topic. Yeah. Jason, thanks for all the work you do with putting these all together. It's yeah, just, of uh, course. I, it's a blast. Yeah. I love coming here and doing this. And uh, we love our listeners. Thank you, everybody, for yeah. listening. Thank you all for the five-star ratings. Indeed. Keep rating and it. reviewing. We do love it. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Get off my lawn. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at BrightSideKandJ, and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website, www.TheBrightSideWithKevinAndJason.com. Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on The, the Bright, bright Side! side.